Thanks, you guys. Um, as Ronnie said, first and foremost, I'm a child of the Most High God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, I've been married to Jim, my wonderful husband, for 31 years. We have one daughter, Cassie. She's 27. Yes, I am that hobby parent that was mentioned before. Um, some of us have seven kids, three kids, four kids. I don't know how y'all do it. Because one for, for us was, was awesome, but also a challenge, and we love her. Um, I want to start with an example of unconditional love. Um, I grew up in a home where my parents were married for 63 years before they went home to be with the Lord. And my dad was an incredible example of unconditional love. You see, my mom got sick in about, I want to say about 2001 or two, and she had a ton of different things wrong with her little body, but including dementia um, at the later stage. But my dad just was such an unselfish, loving caretaker for my mom. He just was always serving her and helping her. And it was really incredible to watch. I mean, all of us kids, I have two older brothers and their spouses. We were just amazed at the love that my dad shown. And it was such a great example for our family. Um, but I have to tell you a little funny story because um, in their last, my dad's last year of his life, they moved back to Minnesota, northern Minnesota, in this little town called Walker. It's about a thousand people, girls. It's little. But uh, they had a great assisted living place there. It was close to both of my brothers. And um, my dad and mom lived in assisted living. Well, my mom got really sick, so she had to go into a nursing home for a time. My dad would walk from assisted living to the nursing home, which was probably about a mile. Um, and my dad got Alzheimer's too, so my dad wasn't well either. But my dad could find his way to the nursing home and back. Well, one day, hot and muggy Minnesota summer day, my dad went over to the nursing home, and my sister-in-law went to the assisted living place. She's like, where's Paul? You know, where is he? So she went looking for him and found him walking back. And he got in the car with her and he said, you know, mom won't eat or drink. I just don't know if this marriage is going to last. <laughs> she was like, really? 63 years and you don't think it's going to last? <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to share that with you. We still giggle about that because my dad has such a great sense of humor too. But... Um, I do have a question to ask you guys. How are you doing loving others? Ooh, that can be a tough question, right? Are you white-knuckling it through those social get-togethers with certain family members or friends that maybe just rub us the wrong way or they've done something to hurt us? Um, have you been hurt by another person and you're struggling with that unforgiveness? I have good news for you today, that we can love through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's love, when we are believers in Jesus Christ, ladies, we have the Holy Spirit in residence in us, and God loves through us. And so even though our emotions may be saying, I'm mad at that person, that person's hurt me again and again, God is bigger. And when we yield ourselves to him, he can go ahead and just, it's like a channel that he just can work right in and through us. So um, I just want to encourage that with you guys today. Um, you know, a lot of us have grown up in homes where there is a lot of dysfunction. Like I said, I, you know, I came from a good home, you know, but even in our great home, there's areas of dysfunction. We all grow up with it, you know, all of us, every single one of us. Um, and I just want to encourage you that if you have not had a good example of what unconditional love looks like, God's word and the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our example. And he is the most amazing one to sit at his feet and be able to take that in and pour that back out. So um, we can all grow and learn in love when we're born again believers in Jesus. All right, so today I'm going to warn you ahead of time, especially in the second segment, we're going to be looking at scripture. So if you guys can have your Bibles ready, um, we're going to turn to John 
In the New Testament, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I have my um, security blanket here, my chair, in case my knees buckle, just FYI, okay? Um, All right, John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Okay, so let's see. Let's look at that verse. Is this a suggestion? No, it's a command. Is it a feeling that we're supposed to have? Nope, it's an action. All right, I'm going to have you turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So Colossians is after Philippians in the New Testament. Is that good, Ronnie? (laughs) She was teasing me yesterday that I had to make sure I gave the address and where it was in the Bible. Are you guys there? Okay, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, that's an action, ladies. That's not in the scripture. I'm just saying that's an action. A heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Um, A couple weeks ago, we heard from Marion Eberly, and uh, I really liked what she had to say about the 90-10 rule that 90% of all offenses that we incur, we can let go of. You know, there's really only 10% that we might have to seek out a biblical resolution to that conflict. Uh, Godly conflict resolution, as we saw in Colossians, it kind of goes through that. If we put on that heart of compassion, kindness, gentleness, ladies, we're going to accomplish that. So that's good news, right? Um, How are you guys doing loving your family, loving others? How is that going? Is there conflict among you? Well, the good news is God's love is that perfect bond of unity. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just let that sink in. When we really chew on that and meditate and let that go into our heart, His love is the perfect bond of unity. As believers in Jesus Christ, we also have the wonderful opportunity of refreshing each other and building one another up. And I want to encourage us all in that today. Let's look for ways that we can do that, okay? Let's turn to Philemon. Now that's a book that doesn't just roll off my tongue. Um, New Testament, little itty-bitty book. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7. It's the book before Hebrews, if that helps. Sometimes those little books get kind of lost in the Bible. They're not lost, but, you know. Like Zephaniah, right, Ronnie? Yes. (laughs) You did? Good, good. All right. Philemon, verses 4 through 7. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Wow, ladies, do we desire to be that refreshing to each other? You know, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, gosh, am I that person that refreshes? Am I like that sweet breeze that comes in under the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, because in my flesh is no good thing. But how are we doing in this area? This was really convicting to me because I thought Philemon refreshed. Isn't that awesome to think about? 
I love that. Paul and the saints were loved well through the power of the Holy Spirit and Flamen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, a quick story here. When our daughter, Cassie, who's 27, met her beloved, Ramsey. Some of you guys have met my wonderful and wacky son in love. Um, he's a great guy. Um, and he, he's, yeah, he's wonderful. We're, I'm so thankful to have a son now. But I asked her when they were dating, I said, honey, what do you love about him? What, what is it? What? And she said, mom, he loves well. And that has stuck with me. Are we loving well? I don't always love well, girls. I really, truly don't. But again, that good news that the Lord Jesus Christ can pour out through us in love. But that's always stuck with me, love well. Okay, all right, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. I told you, you guys, we're going to be utilizing those Bibles this morning. First <laughs> John 4, 7 through 12. A little story before we get going on this. So as some of you know, I really enjoy um, the teaching of Kay Arthur. And in fact, when I walk on my treadmill, I usually watch her teaching because I feel like I have to redeem that time both physically and spiritually. (laughs) But anyway, she always calls people beloved. And I love that. At first I was like, that's kind of weird. But I do love that because it says it so much in scripture, beloved. Anyway, that's my little story. First John, rabbit trail, sorry. Beloved, it starts out beloved. Let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. All right, this is from Warren Wiersbe. I love this quote. Um, Love is the evidence of salvation. If you are born of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you have his nature within you. 2 Peter 1.4, since God is love, that's the reference, since God is love, his children who have his nature should also manifest his love. The children should be like the father. Isn't that so? I mean, you guys, it's so simple, but it's so profound and true. Our love for others makes God's love real and visible. So when people look at us, we of all, all people, believers in Jesus Christ, we should be that example. You know, they should look at us and say, wow, they're different. They love well, right? Um, excuse my um there. Our love for God and for others makes God loves real and visible to them so we can better witness to them about Christ. It also makes God real and personal to us. Merely reading in the Bible about God's love is not enough. Seek to experience that love in your heart by sharing it with others. As faithful stewards of our Lord, we need to learn to encircle one another. And I hope you guys kind of get what I mean by that. Um, We as believers need to be inclusive and not exclusive. So I'm going to give you some quick examples. How can we put this into action? So you come to Bible study, and there's maybe a gal sitting by herself, and you don't recognize her. Let's love on her. Let's introduce ourselves to her. Uh, I also want to encourage you to do that in church. We need to be sensitive to reaching out and looking in ways that we can share God's love. And you know what, you guys at Calvary, you guys do it really well, but I'm going to challenge you, we need to do it even better. We need to be lovers and lovers through the Holy Spirit to other people. You know, let's enlarge our borders. 
uh, if the Lord tarries in his coming back, as Sharon mentioned in her church, we're going to be up for some new and uncomfortable situations in our church. People that come in, they aren't going to necessarily look like us. They might be transitioning. Now, that's a, that's a kind of a recent thing, you know, in the last few years that's getting more popular, you know, as far as transitioning sex-wise from male to female. We might have people who are lesbians, are gay, you know, they might have tattoos all over, they, you know, whatever it is, ladies, they might be different. But God still calls us to love. Does God love them any less? No, he doesn't. And his desire is that they come into a personal and abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to love through us to them and just to speak the truth of God's, God's word and God's truth to them. Because even though they might be different, they might not have ever heard of Jesus before. So we get to share that and we get to love them. I'm going to quote again from Warren Wiersbe. What the world must know, the distinguishing mark of true disciples is their love for one another. And it is the kind of love that the world can see. He commands us to love and gives us the power to obey. Amen. All right. Told you I'm going to give you a workout today. Let's turn to 1 John 2, 9 through 11. First John, by the way, is one of those incredible books about love. And it's got love, 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 all through First John. All right. Are you guys there? Are you ready? The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Ladies, God gives us the power to obey his command to love. If we look at Romans 5.5, I'm not going to have you turn there, but you can make a note if you want. It says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out or shed abroad in our hearts. And it was given from the Holy Spirit not dribbled, poured out. And I love that. As I just think of a faucet, you know, you turn it on a little bit and it kind of, but God opens the faucet and pours it out. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, above all, ladies, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. All right, now we're going to look at the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, I'll have you guys turn there. Love is patient. Love is kind, and it is not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek his own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Never, ladies. That's a powerful word for us. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. Let's insert your name for the word love. So I'm going to put my name in and read it back to you. And trust me, this is pretty convicting. Sue is patient. Ugh, first one. Sue is kind and is not jealous. Sue does not brag and is not arrogant and does not act unbecomingly. Sue does not seek her own. Convicted again is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Sue bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm talking right to the heart here. (laughs) Um, Is there room for us to grow in this area? 
Oh my goodness, ladies. I, I, I'm just undone reading this because when you look at scripture and what the Lord lays out about love, I have so much to go. I have so much to go. It's thank goodness God doesn't expect us to be perfect on this side of heaven. Um, you know, it's healthy for us to, con- to talk to each other and confess our sins like 1 John 1, 9 talks about because he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he wants to free us and work through us, work through our hearts. All right, in the last few minutes, we're going to be going over a few marks of love, okay? So the first one is long-suffering. Now, that's not really a word that we toss around a lot these days. You know, um, primarily it means patience, but it also includes endurance, steadfastness, constancy, and perseverance. It's sometimes translated as patience, and it is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 tells us, Christians are frequently exhorted to cherish and show to one another. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13.4. Love is patient or long-suffering. Let's turn to our second, uh, our second point here will be kindness. Let's look at Ephesians 4.32. Told you you were going to be getting the workout in the Bible today. Just wait, we got more. <laughs> kindness. Be kind Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The third mark of love is humility. Romans 12.3. I'll just read this to you guys. You don't have to turn there. For through the grace given to me, say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. The second scripture is 2 Corinthians 3.5. That says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Love that scripture. When we look to Christ, he's our ultimate example of humility. Let's turn to Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, selfishness, excuse me, or empty conceit, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, Jesus is our perfect example of humility. When we study his life and we look at Jesus, he's our example. All right, our fourth is unselfishness. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And again, our example is Jesus here. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What an inheritance we have in Jesus. All right, let's turn to Romans 12.10. Give you guys a second to get there. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. 
Let's move on to number five, patience. Patience implies suffering, enduring, or waiting as a determination of the will and not simply under necessity. All right, I'm going to give you guys another workout here. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Let's turn there. We read the scripture earlier, but actually the scripture could sum up almost the whole teaching this morning. All right, Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I pray that this morning that the Lord has spoken to you guys about love and that we leave here today and we're challenged by the Holy Spirit and changed by him as well. All right, girls, so this is really going to be the time that we're going to be going through a lot of scripture. It's going to be boom, 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 boom. All right. Okay, so have your Bibles and your papers Pens ready, ready to rumble, okay? Ladies, do you struggle in your prayer life? You can raise your hand. I do. Yeah, amen. Do you see the fruit of your prayers in your family, in your friends' lives? Amen. That's right. Well, this won't come as a surprise to you because I think most of us know this, but prayer is the key. It is the key to our walk as a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, I will say it's vital, not just a key, okay? Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. I love that quote. That really hit me. Um, D.L. Moody said, next to the wonder of seeing my Savior will be, I think, the wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. Yikes, we're talking D.L. Moody. These guys are giants. You know, I mean, they're saints of old, but they're giants in the faith. The plain fact is, too often we worry about everything and we pray about nothing. One more quote, Charles Spurgeon. We love Spurge. Let your thoughts be psalms and your prayers incense and your breath praise. Those are words to live by don't you think? Have any of you read George Mueller? Anything about George Mueller? Good, a couple of you have. I would strongly encourage you ladies to read up on George Mueller. Um, He lived in the 1800s, right? So a long time ago, um, but he had such an incredible prayer life. He uh, ran these orphanages, I'll kind of cut to the quick here, Uh, He ran these orphanages in England, and he would pray, and he never asked for money, never solicited people for money, and you know what? God provided every single meal to those orphans, and there were thousands at the end of his ministry, like two or 3,000, I believe, if I'm correct on that. Um, R.A. Torrey, this is kind of a brief, I kind of shortened it down a little bit said that um, George Mueller was an example of a man who knew how to pray. He would search the scriptures and he would find out, like if there was a promise in here, he would find that promise. And with with his finger on the promise, he'd recite it back to the Lord. And he would pray that. Now he did it in context, of course, but he... um, He'd find the promise, put his finger on his open Bible, pray it back to the Lord. And with that promise, he'd also plead it to the Lord. I love that. And so today, we are actually going to cover praying scripture a bit. Uh, I found a teaching on this, and I've done this in my own prayer life. I was telling Ronnie, if, if some of you guys know that we're getting ready to move shortly as soon as the Lord sees fit to sell our home and we're remodeling a home in Sun City. So I packed a lot of my stuff up and I scripture journaled prayer 
for my family, for my daughter, and I don't know where that is right now. I hope I didn't throw it away when I was going through, but I actually had looked back over that a couple years ago, and I was so blown away by the faithfulness of God as you pray scripture and you can see, I mean, just, I was just so humbled to see how God had answered prayer. It's amazing. So I came by this manual, this pastor, his name is Tim Kerr. Yes, I did print off all 200 pages. Sorry, Jim Diamond. Um, It's called Take Words With You, and it's actually a PDF. You can print it off on your computer if you have enough paper and ink and your husband says it's okay. Uh, Or there is a book called Take Words With You, and it's actually an updated version. And it's a great like manual for intercession and for scripture prayers. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through a few of those prayers. So I'm going to be going through a ton of scripture. We have 14 points, so I'm going to be like... I condensed some of this down. (laughs) So hangeth thou in there with me, ladies, okay? All right. The bottom line is God loves his word, and he loves it to be prayed back to him. You know, uh, James says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And God says in his word that his word does not return void. It accomplishes that purpose that he sent it forth for. Don't you love that? I mean, his word is forever settled. It's eternal. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And today I'm going to really challenge you because I'm going to read from the ESV version of the Bible. So we're going to hear something a little different than we normally go through because usually we use the New American Standard. All right, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Are you guys there? I'll wait for you for a minute. For all, all, not some, all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all the promises, but he's also the key to all the promises. We may say that the promises are made ultimately to him and for him and about him. All right, we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. And that says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Paul quotes several promises from the Old Testament in this little segment of scripture. I'll give you the references. We don't have really time to read them, but the references to the people of Israel in here are from Leviticus 26.12, Exodus 32.27, and Isaiah 52.11. Now let's see what Paul says in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. So if you guys just look down a verse, it says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Ladies in Christ, we can receive the promises and call them our own because because it's in the canon of scripture. It's all in here. All right? And because they are Christ's inheritance through his work on the cross, we are also heirs of the promises in him. Let's look at Galatians 3, verse 16, and then we're going to look at verse 29. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, singular. It does not say, and to offsprings referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Verse 29 of Galatians 3. And if you are Christ's, then you are, I feel like I'm hissing. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So we have these promises for every dimension of our lives. We can go to God and say, you said in your word, 
this and we can pray it back to them. Now, there's a lot of great models for prayer, so just bear with me. We're just going through one today, okay? Um, it's kind of hard to narrow down the topic of prayer. <laughs> so anyway, all right, you guys ready? Here we go. Point one, prayer begins with God. Developing the motivation of prayer, for prayer, it's all about the glory of God and his sovereign plan. Are you motivated to pray? Isaiah 48, 11 says, my glory I will not give to another. Habakkuk, that's a mouthful, 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 46, 10 to 11, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. John 3.27 A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Point number two. Building faith in the promise by meditation on God's faithfulness. Let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, so I'm reading from the ESV version. Just a reminder, it's probably going to sound different than your Bible. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You guys, we serve a faithful God. Let's turn to Joshua, verse 23. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 14. I love the scripture. You know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed, not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass, and not one of them has failed. I have some additional references for you under point number two that you can look up on your own. Nehemiah 9 verse 8, Psalm 9 verse 10. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Number three, praise God for what he has done. Let's turn to Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Little g, I'll put there. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. You know, ladies, a lot of these scriptures, and I'm speaking to the choir here because I'm not the best at memorizing, but this one is so powerful. He will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? It's awesome. Some additional references under praising God for what he has done. Uh, Psalms 33, verse 10 through 11. Psalm 93, 1 to 2. And verse 5 of Psalm 93, Psalm 103, verse 19, and Psalm 116, verse 5. I'm going to give you a couple promises to help with prayer. Do you guys need help with prayer? I do. Psalm 80, verse 18, give us life and we will call upon your name. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Additional references on this topic. Romans 8, 26 to 27. Zephaniah 3, 9. 
Number five, promises to answer prayer. 2 Samuel 22.4 says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. So that's New, Te- uh, New Testament. Hello, that's Old Testament, girls. <laughs> and this scripture, too, is very powerful. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let that sink in. Don't we need a healing of our land these days, ladies? Other references that God promises to answer prayer would be Second Chronicles 34 verse 7. Job 33:26, Psalm 4:3, Psalm 34, 4 and 5, Psalm 37, 4 to 5. Am I going too fast? Oh, sorry. Okay. Do I need to go back? Okay. <laughs> sorry, there's a ton of references here. Okay, starting with the promises to answer prayer. 2 Chronicles 34:7. Job 33:26 Psalm 4:3 Psalm 34 verses 4 to 5 Psalm 37 verses 4 and 5 Ephesians 3:20 Matthew 7, verse 8, and Hebrews 10, 19. Y'all just like tell me to slow down if I'm like rambling too fast, okay? Number six, promises to those who trust God. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8 said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. When we trust God and pray, we're like these trees, ladies. Our roots go deep and we bear fruit and that's what God wants us to do. Additional references on number six, Romans 10, verse 11, Hebrews 11, verse 6, 1 Peter 1, verse 5, Matthew 17, 20. Number seven are promises of God's intention to save us. We all have unsaved people in our lives, in our families, our friends, um, our coworkers. So let's be praying some scripture for them. We can pray these promises for those that are lost. Psalm 106.8 says, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Luke 19.10. Let's, let's turn there, if you guys would. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now that's a promise that we can pray for our loved ones. Lord, you said, I'm going to use a name. You said, George, you came to seek and save the lost. And my brother George is lost. You know, we can go ahead and pray that and ask the Lord. Additional verses on this topic. And you guys, this is just a really condensed version here. Psalm 107. Verse 20, Joel 2, verse 32, Luke 5, verse 32, John 5, 24 to 25, John 6, 37, 
John 10, verse 9, pretty much the whole book of John. John 11, (laughs) verse 25 to 26. Number eight, promises of forgiveness. Second Chronicles 30 verse 9 says, For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. Ladies, that's a promise. Let's turn to 1 John 1 9. Now I know a lot of you guys probably have this memorized and it's a great one to memorize. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes my brain stops when it says all, and I go back to, Lord, does it say some? No, it says all unrighteousness. So that's the quirkiness of the, this diamond brain here, I guess. Um, additional scriptures that we can pray. Psalm 85 Verses 2 to 3. Psalm 86, verse 5. Psalm 103, 10 to 12. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Ephesians 1, verse 7. And Hebrews 9, 22. Number nine, promises of God's love for his people. Let's turn to 1 John, verse 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. John 15, verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Additional scriptures on this one. Psalm 40, verse 25. Psalm 42, verse 8. Psalm 139, 16 to 18. Zephaniah. That's a mouthful too, isn't it? 3, verse 17. That is in the Old Testament. It's one of those little minor prophets. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32, and 1 John 4, 9 to 10. All right, are we hanging in there, girls? Hangeth thou in there, as Kay Arthur would say. All right, number 10, promises of the power of God's word. Mark 13, 31 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I love that. God's word's eternal, ladies, forever settled in heaven. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Told you I was going to give you a Bible workout today. <laughs> Slow down. Okay. So did we get to Hebrews? The one before, Mark 13, verse 31. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, just tell me if I'm running too fast here. Do you guys have? This one is promises of the power of God's word. Number 10. I apologize. I don't mean to be whipping through this. It's just there's so much to cover. (laughs) Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Just a quick note. Are you guys familiar with what a double-edged sword was? I know a lot of you are. How they used them in the old, olden times, and they were sharp on both sides, so they could slice and dice. That's what God's word is. It's sharper than that. Amen. Okay, additional references. On the power of God's word. Joshua 1, verse 8. Psalm 1, 2 to 3. 
Proverbs 30, verse 5. I heard somebody say they love someone. Me too. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Isaiah 55, verse 11. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. 1 Peter 1, 23 to 25. 2 Peter 1, verse 20 to 21. Number 11. Promises to believers struggling with sin. Do you know of anyone who struggles with sin? Psalm 69.33 says, For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Can't that be like that, ladies? When we're in a sin, we're struggling with something, it's, we can be like a prisoner. That's exactly it. Um, is someone that you love struggling with sin? Let's be praying. Let's apply scripture to that. This, these are his promises, and they are so powerful. Second Chronicles 30, verse 9. The Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. Note, we need to return to him for that promise. Additional scriptures. Leviticus 26, 13. Psalm 18, 16 to 18. Psalm 31, verse 21. Jeremiah 31, verse 9. Ezekiel 37, verse 23. Promises to give light in the darkness, number 12. Promises to give light in the darkness. Am I going at a better pace now? Are you guys able to? Okay, good. Let's turn to John, the book of John, 12, verse 46. Mm-hmm. John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Psalm 19, 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Wow. Additional verses for these promises to give light in the darkness would be Job 12, 22, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, chapter 7, verses 8 through 9, Luke 1, 78 to 79, Psalm 30, verse 5, Psalm 30, verse 11, John 15, 10 to 11. Promises, number 13, is promises to those who are anxious and afraid. Does this apply to any of us? (laughs) Put my hand up there. Yes, Lord. Let's turn to Psalm 118, verse 6. Love this scripture. I have used this a lot. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen. That's right. Additional scriptures on this topic, number 13. Isaiah 25, verses 7 to 8. Lamentations, L-A-M, that's quicker, (laughs) 3 verse 51, 
1 John 4, verses 18 to 19, and Isaiah 26, verse 3. Number 14, promises regarding wisdom. Boy, girls, I need wisdom on an hourly, sometimes minute-by-minute basis. <laughs> Proverbs 9, verse 10 through 11 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by, my, by me, pardon me, your days will be multiplied, and your years, years will be added to your life. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is filled with promises about wisdom. <laughs> so additional scriptures um, on promises regarding scripture, on uh, wisdom, pardon me, would be Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 7. Proverbs 3, verse 16 to 18. Proverbs 4. Verses 8 to 9. Proverbs 8, 15 to 17. Isaiah 50, 5, 0, verse 4. Proverbs 8, 34 to 35. And James 1, verse 5. Colossians 2, verse 3. All right, you guys. Have I just overloaded you with scripture? Amen. <laughs> that was my intention. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> anyway, um, like I said, this is just a super abbreviated version. And if you're interested, the, you, know, you can print off the PDF or get the book. There's so many promises in here that we can use for prayer. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. The fourth promise? Number four? Oh, sorry. Let me go back. Promises to help with prayer? That one? I love that you guys are being interactive. This is fun. Okay. Again, on four? Yeah, there were. Did I whip through those two fast, girls? I skipped four? Seriously. I'm so sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry I did that to you. Okay, promises to help with prayer. Number four. Sorry, ladies. That was Psalm 80, verse 18. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. In Galatians 4, verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And the other references on to help with prayer, Romans 8, 26 to 27, and Zephaniah 3, verse 9. Thank you for pointing that out to me. I really appreciate that. So ladies, as we've kind of gone through... God's word can accomplish much. I mean, he has given us this canon, this precious canon of scripture. So we can pray these promises back and say, Lord, you said. So I want to encourage you with that. I love looking at the lives of some of the saints that have passed on. Like we shared about Oswald Chambers and Spurgeon and D.L. Moody. George Mueller, though, if you have a chance, read up on his life he was an amazing model of prayer and how he trusted in the faithfulness of God. Um, it just speaks volumes to me, and I hope it does to you as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for each one of these ladies that's here today, Lord. And Father, we are so grateful to have your canon of Scripture and to be able to read it freely, Lord Jesus. And I pray that through this time together, Father, that you would help each one of us in our prayer lives. Lord, that you would help us to use scripture 
to pray back to you, Lord. And most of all, Lord, I just pray that we glorify you in everything that we say and do. We just give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, girls.